The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Note the statement of the eunuch to Philip who is sent by God to him. As the disciple approaches the eunuch and asks him about what he is reading and whether he understands it, note the response. How can I understand unless someone instruct me? And let us just pause with that very important statement. Note what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, of course, the scriptures are completely transparent and I can figure them out on my own. He doesn't say, I'm good. I will interpret this in whatever way I see fit. Rather, he handles sacred words as something legitimately sacred and therefore mysterious, therefore beyond our ability to easily grasp and easily master, and he says, I must be instructed in the speaking of God. I must be instructed in understanding the speaking of God. In no small measure, this is a significant part of why we have the proclamation of the scriptures in the context of Mass because we all need to be instructed in the speaking of heaven. We all need to learn how to submit our minds to the mind and the will of God. And we realize then that it is through the church that we are taught to understand and perceive and recognize the meaning of the sacred text. Because in the end, as our Paschal candle symbolizes, it is Christ who makes the meaning of Scripture clear. Because all Scripture in the end speaks of Christ and is at the service of Jesus Christ. And so it is then that the Apostle, as he engages the text that the eunuch is reading, one of the famous 
oracles of the suffering servant from the back part of the book of the prophet Isaiah, speaking about that one who will lay down his life for the salvation of the world, note what Philip does. He proclaims Jesus Christ, beginning with this passage. And in so doing, what he does is he opens the eunuch's eyes, mind, and heart to that fundamental truth that all scripture speaks in Jesus Christ, that Christ is the center and the very heartbeat of sacred scripture. And Jesus is the key that unlocks the full meaning of the prophets, unlocks the full meaning of the law, unlocks the full meaning of what we know of the history of the people of God. All things point to Jesus. What a remarkably beautiful perspective that is. And it begins simply with a passage from the book of Isaiah. And all Philip does then is beginning with that passage in the light of what God has done in Jesus, he opens up the rest of sacred scripture. So that in the end, this man who had come to Jerusalem to worship, and note how beautifully this fulfills what Jesus says in our gospel reading, that those who seek my Father, those who are drawn to the Father, will in all truth be drawn to me. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship because he was drawn to the Father. And as he is returning home, what does the Father do but send a disciple of the Lord to him to open up sacred scripture, the speaking of the Father, that he might see it is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. My Father will draw them to me. And so it is that this eunuch is drawn now to Jesus so swiftly that upon seeing water nearby, he cannot wait. What is there to prevent me from being baptized, he says. Why need we wait? I recognize what God has done in Jesus. I believe it and I wish to surrender to it. And so note again, the eunuch isn't content to say, now I understand. Because being taught the meaning of sacred scripture is not about coming simply to an understanding. It is about entering into a relationship with the Lord who is its very center. It is not enough for the eunuch to say, now I know what it means. Because knowing what it means requires him then to turn to Jesus Christ. Not to think about Jesus, but to belong to Jesus. What is there to prevent me from being baptized? And so it is then. They descend from the chariot to the water. Philip baptizes him. And then we hear the spirit, quite literally spirited him away. And he was not seen anymore by the eunuch. Because the eunuch, the eunuch now has the life of Jesus Christ within him. The eunuch now is a member of the body of Christ by virtue of baptism. He now belongs to the church. Note how marvelous 
this is. The eunuch began traveling alone, up to Jerusalem by himself to worship, returning home alone. And then in that solitude, the church is sent to him. In that solitude, the church teaches him. And suddenly he finds that now he is no longer alone, belonging now as a member of a new people, the people of God, the body of Christ. This, in no small measure, as we noted, illustrates that beautiful statement of Jesus. Those who are drawn to the Father, the Father draws to me. And in speaking that way, Jesus is saying that the fulfillment of that deep-seated longing for God, which lives in the human heart, in the end is only and ultimately satisfied in him, through him, and by him. And in speaking to the people, he references that statement from the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. And note what we saw with the eunuch. On the one hand, he is taught by Philip. But on the other hand, it is God who brings Philip to the eunuch. It is God who has instructed Philip and who inspires Philip to teach. And so we see then that one of the ways God instructs the world is in and through the apostolic mission of the church founded and established by Jesus. And that should not surprise us because Jesus is that one, the very word of God made flesh, who has come to teach us, to instruct us, and to save us, and who founds his church to continue his ministry, to continue his mission, to share in that. And so the Lord continues to touch, instruct, and save the world in and through his church. That's the power of our sacraments. And the power of our sacraments rests on this great and fundamental mystery of Jesus who lays down his life for us and for our salvation. So now as we listen with greater attentiveness to the words of Jesus, note what he says that I will raise up on the last day those who are drawn to me. That eternal life is what I will give. What a marvelous, what a marvelous promise. And notice then how he is speaking about the victory of his upcoming resurrection being something that he will share with those who are his and I will raise him up. I will. Note how decisive that statement is. Not somebody else. I will. Because I am that one who was with the Father. I am that one who has, in fact, seen the Father. I am that one who speaks on behalf of the Father. And because of all these things, I, in fact, am the living bread that has come down from heaven. Notice what he doesn't simply say. He doesn't simply say, I am the bread of life, although he does say that. But he also says, I am 
living bread. And those are two different nuances. To say the bread of life is to speak of something that sustains life, produces life, gives life. But to say that the bread itself is alive. What a remarkable image that is. What a remarkably powerful idea that is. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. I have come to be consumed. I have come to be your food. I have come to give myself to you. I have come that you take and that you eat. I am living bread. Now imagine, imagine it's lunchtime and you're at home in your kitchen and the loaf of bread starts calling to you saying, it's time. <laughs> it's time. Come, come, make that sandwich. Ready? And as silly as that is, but note the implication. I am living bread. And I have come to be fully bread. What is bread for? It is to be eaten. I am living bread. Bread that actually places itself on the table. Bread that literally offers itself to you, saying, here I am. For no other reason than that you feed on me. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Not just bread that came down from heaven. What a beautiful, beautiful expression that is. And the bread that I will give, he says, is my flesh for the life of the world. Note how seriously he is speaking. And what do we see then? That the sacrament that we celebrate on this altar every time we gather for Mass is a continuation of that great self-giving of himself on the cross, my flesh for the life of the world. Given once and decisively on the cross, and yet the self-giving continues. And so what do we do? We come forward to stretch out our hands, to take and eat, to take and drink the very flesh that is given for us and for our salvation. The very blood that was poured out that we might be made clean. We stretch out our hands to a bread that is alive because it is a person. And so it is that even though our ears do not hear him saying it, the bread that will be placed on this altar once the great and miraculous change happens by means of this sacrament, literally does call out to us, here I am, come forward. I am here to be your food. I am here to be your drink. Stretch out your hand to me. Take and eat me. Feast on my life. 
feast on my goodness. Let this be your food. Let this be your drink, and indeed you will have life within you. How wonderful that is. Feast on me, and you indeed will be truly alive. Alive with a fullness that mere biology cannot give us. Alive with a fullness that nothing in this world can give us. Sustained with, by, and for a goodness that is beyond anything this world can ever hope to offer. I am the bread of life because I am the living bread that has come down from heaven for you. Amen.